0: Biden approaches 79, Republicans optimistic about 22, and inflation the highest since 70. It's enough to make Carl Rittenhouse cry on The Political Junkie. You like Ike, I like Ike.
1: Everybody bond like, thank you for president. And if me. I don't care how it's important. Put it and vote for Kennedy. Vote
2: for Kennedy. And we'll come out on top. Vote for Boris Brennan and Henry Cabot-Lash. Because they're the ones to lead the USA.
0: Thanks for joining us and welcome to episode 378 of The Political Junkie. I'm Ken Rudin. At first blush, the Republican victories on Election Day last week were not completely unexpected. Polls in Virginia had the gubernatorial race close. And we know what they often say about these off-year elections after a presidential race. If a Democrat is in the White House, the GOP has a good year, and vice versa. Think 2016, with Donald Trump elected president, which was followed by Republicans think 2016 with Donald Trump elected president which was followed by Democrats winning the governorships in Virginia and New Jersey the following year with Ralph Northam in New Jersey with Ralph with Ralph Northam in Virginia and Phil Murphy in New Jersey the same scenario occurred in 20 the same scenario occurred in 2009 with a GOP sweep The same scenario occurred in 2009 with Barack Obama in the White House and a GOP sweep of the governorships. 2001 with George W. Bush as president, a Democratic sweep. 1993, a President Bill Clinton and a Republican sweep the next year. 1993, a President Bill Clinton and a Republican sweep that year. I think you get my point. So, last week, when Glenn Youngkin was elected governor in Virginia and Jack Chitterelli nearly won the governorship in New Jersey, that really wasn't a big deal, right? Wrong. It was a disaster for the Democrats. Yes, Virginia was supposed to be close, but Democrats were convinced that Terry McAuliffe had the right strategy, pinning the Trump label on Youngkin, saying Youngkin would stop abortions in the state, saying, saying Youngkin... Saying Yunkin would stop abortions in the state, that he would cripple the fight against COVID by ending vaccine mandates, and yet Youngkin, and yet Yunkin went on to win in areas where the GOP was historically weak. White voters overwhelmingly rejected McAuliffe. and Republicans who lost control of the State House of Delegates in 2019 won back the majority. And look at New Jersey, and look at New Jersey. There was no polling done there because no one thought Chitarelli had a chance against Democratic incumbent Phil Murphy. Sure, sure, Murphy ended up winning, the first Democrat re-elected since Brendan Byrne in 1977. But it was too close to call until the next day. In fact, Chitarelli waited ten days to. to in fact, Cittarelli waited ten days before he finally conceded. Perhaps the most stunning result of the day, even though Murphy hung on. It was, perhaps the most, it was perhaps the most stunning result of the day, even though Murphy hung on. And here's a sidebar that is nonetheless instructive. South Jersey has not only become more and more Republican, but it also ousted the most powerful Democrat in the state legislature, Senate President Steve Sweeney. Sweeney lost to first-time candidate Edward Durr, a truck driver who spent about $2,000 on his campaign. Hello.
3: Hello. My name is Edward Thur. I'm running for New Jersey State Senate. I've lived here all my life, raising my three kids. The Senate president has spent 20 years in Trenton. Higher taxes, increasing debt, and a rising cost of living. We deserve better. New Jersey, it's time for a change. So together, let's end single party rule. Vote for me, Edward Thur, for Senate.
0: Who was Ed Durr? Who cares? He was a Republican in a Republican year. After the election, we learned that Durr has a history of making bigoted, misogynistic, and crazy conspiratorial comments on social media. Paul Farry, the Washington Post media reporter, blamed the media for missing Durr's online history. One of the media's basic functions is to serve as a watchdog, particularly in scrutinizing candidates for public office, Farry wrote. But in Durr's case... The watchdogs failed to bark for years. I will defend the media in this case because no one gave Durr a chance in hell of winning. So why pay attention when there are so many other contests on the ballot? But let me remind Farhi of something. The media pointed out before the 2016 election Donald Trump's bigotry, his attacks on Mexicans and Muslims, his cruel treatment of a New York Times reporter with a disability, his dismissal of John McCain as a hero, his degrading comments about women, I can go on and on, and he won anyway. So yes, I understand the instinct is to blame the media, but I would argue that the voters bear some responsibility as well. So you change partners, time to
2: change partners. You must change.
0: Over the surprising Republican gains from last week's elections, when we were met with another stunner on Tuesday. Chris Sununu, the very popular Republican governor of New Hampshire, announced he would not challenge Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan next year. Instead, he'll be seeking a fourth two year term
3: as governor. Obviously, with progressives controlling Washington, D.C., there's a lot of interest in this Senate race. Uh, That's appreciated and understood. It's clearly seen as one of the best opportunities America has to have a 51st vote to stop Chuck Schumer from implementing what we all see as a losing agenda for America. I've heard from countless voices across the country. It's been very interesting. Uh, The vast majority of them all urging me uh, to run for the U.S. Senate. But my responsibility is not to the gridlock and politics of Washington. uh, It's to the citizens of New Hampshire. And I'd rather push myself 120 miles an hour delivering wins for New Hampshire uh, than to slow down, end up on Capitol Hill, debating partisan politics without results. That's why I'm going to run for a fourth term. And I'd be honored if the people of New Hampshire would elect me again as their governor. Not only did strategists in both parties expect
0: a Sununu Senate campaign, but many thought he would win a race with obvious national implications in a 50-50 Senate. Paul Steinhauser is a political reporter up in New Hampshire, and he's here with the latest. Paul, it's great having you back on The Political Junkie. Ken, great to talk to you about Granite State politics. Never a dull moment in this key battleground state, which also happens to be the first in a nation presidential primary state, so... And you know I would never take you for granted, so you know that you know that's true. I'm <laughs> sure you never heard that joke before. Yeah, right. Anyway, <laughs> first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nationally, Republicans were pressing Sununu to run, and and I think many thought that he would win, especially now that the mood has shifted against Biden and the Democrats, or at least that's the way we saw it from last week's elections. But so one, were you surprised by the decision? And two, why do you think he decided against it? Yeah, I was surprised.
1: A lot of people were surprised. I had just seen Senunu a few days earlier in Las Vegas. I was out there to cover the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual conference. So think a major confab, Republican leaders across the country, mega donors, activists, and out there, Senunu gave a speech that wowed the audience. And it sure seemed and looked like he was gearing up for a Senate run. Fast forward just a few days, and he uh, he surprises everybody here. He also angered a lot of national Republicans down in Washington because there had been a full court press, Ken, as you well know, uh, there was a full court press by Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell, by Rick Scott, the senator from Florida and the chair of the NRSC, which is the Senate GOP reelection arm, and other top Republicans to recruit Sununu. He was basically their top recruit this cycle and they didn't get it. And he also didn't give them a heads up. Uh, they found out about his decision, like all, the, all, all of the rest of us, in his news conference. So a big disappointment for national Republicans. Uh, they can still win the race up here in New Hampshire, they feel,
0: but it's going to be a little tougher now. And they've got to find the right candidate to defeat Maggie Hassan. You know, there seems to be a tradition in New Hampshire. I mean, Hassan herself is a former governor. Uh, so is the other Democratic senator, Gene Shaheen. It it seems like running for the Senate as governor is almost a New Hampshire tradition. Yeah, in modern times, at least for the last
1: generation, it sure has been. I guess uh, the only one who didn't was uh, four-term Democratic Governor John Lynch, who hasn't run for anything. But you're right, Shaheen and uh, Hassan made history by uh, running from one position uh, to the other. Republicans are very disappointed in in Washington. But I think for Sununu, he made the decision— that he said was best for himself, his family, because he's got young children. And, you know, that commute can be tough from New Hampshire to Washington every week. And he said he made the right decision for, for the constituents uh, of the state of New Hampshire. In, in a way, you know, that's the new news brand. It's all about New Hampshire. He's been known to heavily criticize not only the congressional delegation here in this state, but Washington overall. He's always dumping on Washington as a place where things never get done. And, and during his... Uh, announcement and his ensuing news conference, and I was one of the reporters there in the room, he really, cat he took a sledgehammer to the institution of the U.S. Senate and basically said, nothing gets done there. I'm a governor. I, I make 30 decisions a day sometimes. I can't, I can't go down there and, and do nothing. It would drive me crazy. That was
0: basically his message. He's right. Not, not much is getting done in Washington. I mean, as you, as you well know, but, and I think that's true for several years now, but, well, what's what's Sununu's new reputation for working with New Hampshire Democrats?
1: He he can cross the aisle when needed. He's not a, a total ideologue at all. He's not he's not a member of the far right of his party. He's a little bit more of a moderate uh, Republican. You know, he was very delicately navigated Donald Trump during uh, the Trump presidency, and he was much closer with former Vice President Mike Pence than he was with Trump. Uh, but he's. In this state, he is the Republican rock star, obviously. He was, he's the reason the Republicans in New Hampshire now control both chambers of the state legislature. They rode his coattails as he won an almost two-to-one re-election victory just a year ago. But, yeah, you know, listen, he's been spending years dumping on Washington, D.C., so I guess in a way it would have been strange if he decided to run to go to Washington, D.C. That's now not happening. Republicans are scrambling, looking for somebody else to run in his place and he now looks, you know, forward to running for re-election. In an election you would assume he would win rather easily. So who do the Republicans have as a candidate? They not only did they lose Kristen uh this past week, they also lost the two other well-known names uh that could have given Hassan quite a fight. A, a former US senator Kelly Ayotte said she wouldn't run. Uh, of course, Ayotte lost to Hassan by less than by just over 1,000 votes, a razor thin margin, in 2016 when Ayotte was running for re-election. Also saying no, former U.S. Senator Scott Brown of Massachusetts. Remember, he came up to New Hampshire. He moved up here uh, in 2014 and came very close during that Republican wave year to defeating Senator Gene uh, Shaheen. And uh, then he served the past four years as U.S. ambassador to New Zealand during the Trump presidency. He's also out. There's a whole host of other contenders right now thinking, mulling it. I don't want to get into names that, you, that people in a national audience will, will not know, but there are, there's a lot going on right now behind the scenes, people thinking about running and jumping in.
0: Scott Brown is also, his wife is running for Congress, right? And that's one of the reasons he said he's not going to run?
1: Exactly, and this is a small state here. this is a very we've got one point four million people uh and, and and Brown, who has said he's got one more race left in in his political rodeo at least this time is is deferring uh, to his wife as she runs for congress in a in a congressional district that the Republicans think they can really flip next year
0: you mentioned there's one point four million people in New Hampshire isn't every member isn't everyone in New Hampshire a member of the state legislature <laughs> I think everybody, that's true. We joke about it, but it's
1: almost true that everybody in the state has either run for state representative, uh, bitter state rep, or thinking about running. We have, the outside of the U.S. House of Representatives, we have the largest legislative chamber in the country, 400 members in our state house, but only 24 in our state Senate. And it's an it all-volunteer legislature, which is another point I want to get out there.
0: How would you have rated a sununu Hassan campaign? I mean, and, and now with Sununu not running... How would you describe Hassan's chances for a second term?
1: The campaign would have been one of the top five in the country, no doubt about that. It would have been one of the most competitive, one of the most expensive, and one of the probably one of the most combative in the country. When Republicans look at the, I mean, here's the map. They need a net gain of one Republicans to win back the chamber. They're defending 20 of the 34 seats up for grabs, so they're playing defense, but they look at four states that they can really flip Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and New Hampshire. They still think they can flip New Hampshire now, even without Sununu running just because of hassan 's you look at her poll numbers they' anything they 're not nothing to brag about and, and of course it 's a very tough political climate right now for Democrats, so Republicans are not giving up on trying to defeat her, but yeah it 's going to be a little bit tougher now to a find a candidate who can generate excitement among Republicans and who has name recognition and who can also raise the big bucks
0: and as for sununu i mean he 's only forty seven years old he has a a long potential future if he wants it, right?
1: Oh, he does, and he teased it in that news conference. A bunch of us asked him about, well, you know, 2024 is not too far away, and any designs on maybe uh, uh, a GOP presidential nomination run. He wouldn't rule it out. He said uh, uh, he would not rule out going to Washington, uh, didn't, but he said not as a U.S. senator. So, you know, a, a, a run for the White House maybe in 24, maybe down the road, 28 or 32, because, as you said, he's very young. When he was first elected governor in 2016, he was the youngest governor in the country. So um, he's still got a ways to go. First things first for him now, he'll have to uh, run for reelection. And his poll numbers, while still very positive, are no longer in the stratosphere. He, was, he had some of the best approval ratings in the country among governors, but they have declined uh, over the last six months. And, again, still in positive order, still poll numbers that anybody would love to have if you're running for re-election. But they have declined uh, as he's been battered over uh, 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 an abor- so, uh, some abortion uh, abortion measures that are part of the state budget. Democrats have really been hitting him on that and how, han- and how he's handled the pandemic as well.
0: Paul Steinhauser is a new, new Hampshire political reporter for Fox. Paul, thanks again for being on the program. What a, what a great state for politics. Thanks, Ken. Always fun to talk to you.
1: I ain't freaking. I ain't faking this. I ain't freaking. I ain't faking this. I ain't freaking. I ain't faking this. Shut up and let me go. Hey!
0: Max Cleveland died on Tuesday. The 79-year-old Democrat served as President Jimmy Carter's head of the Veterans Administration, spent 14 years as Georgia's Secretary of State, and was elected in 1996 to succeed Sam Nunn in the Senate. His personal story was horrid. Volunteering to serve in Vietnam in 1968, he lost his right arm and both legs in a grenade accident. But he is probably most remembered for the campaign's Congressman Saxby Chambliss, his Republican opponent, ran against him in his 2002 reelection bid. Cleveland's patriotism was questioned in a most disturbing ad, in which photos of Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein first appear before we see Cleveland's face.
2: As America faces terrorists and extremist dictators, Max Cleveland runs television ads claiming he has the courage to lead. He says he supports President Bush at every opportunity, but that's not the truth. Since July, Max Cleland has voted against the president's vital homeland security efforts 11 times. Max Cleland says he has the courage to lead, but the record proves Max Cleland is just misleading.
0: It is one of the most controversial political TV ads in the nation's history. It certainly helped end Cleland's political career. And that's why we have Jim Galloway on The Political Junkie to talk about it. Jim spent more than 40 years as a political correspondent at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution before retiring earlier this year. In fact, his retirement came right after those two crucial Georgia Senate runoffs and an appearance on The Political Junkie to talk about them. I pulled Jim out of retirement to bring us back to that 2002 race. Great to talk to you again, Jim. No, it's good to be with you,
2: Ken. I appreciate you
0: calling. Thank you. That final campaign of his was brutal, and, and we'll get to that in a minute, but, but talk about what Max Cleland went through in Vietnam, and, and then go a little bit into his early years in politics.
2: Well, you have to go, to, go back to, uh, to April of uh, 1968. Uh, this was just only, I, I think, maybe three or four days after Martin Luther King had been assassinated in Memphis. And and the word was just getting down to around to Vietnam. Uh and uh uh Max the, the the Battle of Quezon was raging raging. Uh Max was a captain in the army and uh he uh he was leading a, a, a team uh to establish a, a kind of a communications uh spot uh on on a on a small hilltop. Uh they disembarked, uh, they got they, they they jumped out of a Huey. And, uh, when Max hit the ground, he noticed there was a grenade on the ground. Uh, it was, it was live. And he picked it up with his right hand, uh, wanted to flick it away as, as quickly as he could and, and, and it exploded. He lost, uh, the right, right arm and, and right leg immediately. Uh, the left one had to be amputated pretty quickly afterwards. He spent months at Walter Reed. And and uh, it, it was a it was a hard homecoming for for him.
0: He blamed himself. He blamed himself for that, didn't he?
2: He blamed himself for that. It, 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 it's what's interesting is is that uh, he 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 specifically never called himself a hero uh, coming out of Vietnam, uh, and that was because he thought that grenade had had detached itself from from his own his own belt. And that he was responsible for his own, for his own injury. As it turned out, uh, I think it was in 99, so it had been, uh, you know, 30 years, more than 30 years later, that there was a, there was a Marine on the, on the scene in 68. In, in 1999, he, after watching an interview with Max on CNN, uh, he, he got in touch with Max and said he had Max and, 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 and told Max he had the story wrong because he said the grenade, uh, slipped off the uh, the belt of a newbie who didn't know how to carry it, and and exploded.
0: So then he goes into politics, and he in uh, nineteen seventy he runs for the state senate.
2: Right, nineteen seventy he runs for the state senate. He does this on a pair of artificial legs and and crutches, and they they they, they it was just too painful for him. I mean, physically it was too painful for him. Uh, he won. He became uh, he was twenty eight years old. Became the youngest member of the state senate. At that time
0: and that was the same year jimmy carter was elected governor
2: it, it was it was and there was a there was a carter cleveland connection pretty much through throughout his 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 life that that was that was kind of the start he would uh he, he very quickly shifted to the you uh the the, the the wheelchair as its kind of his preferred preferred mode
0: so he was jimmy carter's veterans administration right so this guy named jimmy carter
2: decides he's going to run for president and he gets it and if you remember carter was very much into symbolism i mean you know he 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 knew he knew that that small things had, had could carry big meanings and 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 max you know max didn't have all that much administrative experience but he was a vietnam vet of some note and and by putting him in in, in into that position it it wasn't a cabinet position at the time if you remember Uh, But he was was, uh, named named head of what would become the Veterans Administration. Uh, And it was one of the first things, uh, one of of Jimmy Carter's first acts after his inauguration, if not the first act. Uh, At least that's what what Max told me some years
0: later. And then then Carter loses four years later, and, and he's out of a job.
2: That's right. And then we get back to the Secretary of State's office.
3: I'm a natural salesman for the things I believe in. I'm going to sell the good news about Georgia people, and help
1: get
2: the jobs we need.
1: Max Cleland for Secretary of State, meeting the
2: challenge. And that look, you know, that's that was a cushy job. You know, it was it was a it was a job you could hold for life in Georgia. It was a, it was a, a, a pretty much considered a you know a, a pigeonhole for somebody who wanted to who, who wanted to be in the state capital, but really didn't didn't have the he, he had no further ambition. You know, and that just wasn't Max.
0: So he so he serves there fourteen years, and then Sam Nunn decides to retire. Senator Sam Nunn decides mm-hmm. to retire in nineteen ninety six,
2: right? And that opens up the seat, and uh, ultimately Max wins.
0: That's when he beat Guy Milner, right? That was a pretty that was a pretty uh, tough uh, election.
2: It was it was a very very tough election. When he went to the Senate, he he, he locked into this uh, the, the Vietnam Club, if you will you know John Kerry was there John McCain was there Bob Kerry was there Chuck Hagel Chuck Hagel was there and they hung together uh Democrats and Republicans I mean that was it, it was you could still supersede partisan politics with with an experience in Vietnam you
0: weren't you weren't a traitor if you talked to the other side back then
2: Exactly yeah I can't say that that Max had a had an ambitious legislative agenda I mean he did get some things done uh, especially when it came to veterans, uh, the, I, I think I recall him in a, in his uh, farewell speech. I think he noted he noted that he he also made it possible for for military families who were being shipped to Hawaii to take their family pets <laughs> without having without having them in in, uh, in quarantine forever. Uh, he, 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 was, he he was he he was a man who loved dogs uh so he he was he, and that was he would he would also get, often give that advice to to veterans uh who who came to him with 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 emotional problems he said, The first thing he would say is get a dog one of the other things he did was he uh pushed through uh, the establishment of a national cemetery uh, up here north of uh, northwest of atlanta a new national cemetery uh his dad is buried there his mom is buried there his dad was a world war 2 vet and uh, that's where he's going to be buried.
0: You know, for the most part, unlike Sam Nunn, he, I think he probably voted with his fellow Democrats more often than Nunn did. Um, he, but he voted for the Bush tax cut in 2001. He, he voted to give Bush the authority to go to war in Iraq. But he also voted against creating the Department of Homeland Security. And I wonder if that vote helped doom him.
2: It, it did. It's specifically what the issue was, was whether workers in the in the in the, in the new uh DHS were going to have were able would would be able to have uh protections
0: you mean collect, uh, collective bargaining rights right
2: collective bargaining rights th- th- through, through a union and uh max was a union man uh and and he stuck with that position and the, if you if you recall i believe i mean Part of his political problem was, was that uh, Zell Miller, after 9-11, had swung hard right. And he was putting up a, a, something of a contrast to Max in, in, the, uh, in the aftermath of, of 9-11. He became a, a, a hard Bush ally, and it threw up a contrast uh, with him. Now, Zell, Zell was very supportive of Max during the 2002 campaign, but nonetheless, that contrast was there.
0: And, you know, when, when, Chambliss, when the Chambliss campaign ran that ad, uh, Democrats were furious, but, but there were some angry Republicans as well, right? John McCain was furious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was something new. Your listeners may not,
2: may not, may, may not be able to, unless they're of a certain age like you and I, they, 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 I don't think they, they can grasp the impact of that. Because if you watch the ad today, it's a fairly tepid thing. You know, it's there were images but no words referring to Osama bin Laden and, and Saddam Hussein. And they
0: eventually took those images out in later versions of the commercial, right? right. They did, yeah, they
2: did, they did, because because uh, came became up in, in for a lot of heat from McCain, from John Kerry, uh, from pretty much every every Vietnam vet who was in Congress at the time, uh, because it was just it, it was it was so out of line at the time. And and after after Shamblis won, I mean it it. It took a while for uh, Republicans like John McCain in, in, the, in the Senate to, to kind of uh, warm up to to, to Chambliss,
0: and, they, and the, the Democrats also pointed out the fact that Chambliss himself had avoided military service. So to, to, to run an ad that basically impugns Cleveland's patriotism while he himself avoided service—there's uh, a hypocrisy there somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, he had—I he had, think he had five deferments as he went through law school. Uh, and, and later claimed a, a bum knee, but I, I think you'll agree with me that this was kind of the beginning of of the uh, of, of the tribal nature yeah. of of politics in in, in the U.S. I, in, in other words, I mean you could, you could say it was a signal that you could say whatever you wanted to about the other guy, uh, regardless of of your own personal history,
0: and regardless of facts.
2: And yes, yes, and you're. And, and your 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 side would be fine with it. I mean, this was 2002. What did we have in 2004? We had the swift voting of John Kerry.
0: I read. I mean, by almost every account, I read uh, the, the the defeat devastated Cleveland. It did.
2: It did. I mean, it was uh, Max was always very good about putting on a a, a brave face, you know, a smiling face. But uh, it, it did. He he, he dropped away. Uh, he he. he he stuck it out mostly in 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 d c uh, he, he went back to he started going back to walter Reed for some for for, for, for some gr- group sessions that he said probably probably saved his life after that because the the depression had hit so hard i I kind of reconnected with him back here in Georgia in 2006 he was uh, He was a, a a guest lecturer for for a a semester up at University of Georgia School of Law. And I just called him up and asked him if I I could uh, I could come come watch one of his classes and he said he told me yeah sure as long as you don't write anything about it <laughs> and we just we just we just uh, pulled up to a park bench and uh, and started talking for two or three hours we, you know we talked about the black dog that's what it, that's what he called uh, uh, his depression oh.
0: do you remember the last time the two of you chatted
2: uh, that would have been last it would have been last week. I uh I stopped uh oh, for uh, the last six, seven, eight years I stopped by once a week, usually on Fridays then Thursdays. Uh he was he 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 died of congestive heart failure. So he would get he was getting progressively weaker and he uh he kind of relied on me for just kind of on uh, just kind of a weekly political update. And uh, uh we have a, a situation uh we have a situation here in Georgia where where uh governor Brian Kemp might face a primary a republican primary challenge from uh uh, uh former US senator David Perdue from the right on the right on yeah. the right uh, uh and I uh I was reading him a column that uh, uh the, the 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 woman who replaced me as political columnist for the AJC had written about it and you know I got to the third paragraph and he could not speak then. He, but 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 I'm pretty good at lip reading, and he just he looked at me and he he smiled and he said, and he just mouthed the word "wow." Yeah.
0: You know when I th- when I think of him, I mean I, you know, in his term in the Senate, I don't remember much, but somehow his defeat and yes, maybe maybe his the campaign, the commercial that Chambliss ran against him wasn't the most horrific thing in history, but he became a symbol. Of i guess the 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 ugliness of politics that has just increased far more than it was back in two thousand and two and 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 part of this was because
2: max cleland was was just this terrific retail politician i mean he loved meeting people i mean it was i mean it was it was it was just in his blood. I mean, it, I mean, you could, if you, if you, if, if and, you know, when he when he rolled around the U.S. Capitol, you know, I mean, people would sh- sh- uh, would would just flock to him. Uh, same same here in in the state capital. It was, you know, you know, in a way, I, I've over the last few days, I've kind of realized that he's he he, he was something like John Lewis, where you know, the 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 legislation uh, that he sponsored, the the, the sausage making, wasn't the biggest that that that's not what made him important he was max like like john lewis had become a symbol and and i I think that's why uh that that particular tv ad resonated so much
0: jim gallery spent more than four decades covering politics at the atlanta journal constitution jim thank you for these memories um max cleland seemed to be an amazing man
2: he was. He was. If I could just leave you with one thought, it was. It was. Just to kind of elaborate on something I said earlier, Max wasn't a Vietnam hero. His heroism came afterwards. His his hero, heroism. I mean, the reason he is a hero to me and in just thousands of other people in, in in Georgia who remember him is that every every goddamn day. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll rephrase that. Every damn day for 50 years after that grenade explosion, he got up and he moved until he couldn't any longer. And that's, to me, that's just, that's unspeakable, uh, an unspeakable measure of heroism.
0: Sounds like it sums up the man, doesn't it? I hope so. Jim, thank you so much.
2: It, It was good to talk to you Ken. I appreciate it.
0: That's it for this week's show. Don't forget, you can always find my political blogs, trivia questions, and the Political Junkie store, all at krpoliticaljunkie.com. If you've got comments, questions, or complaints, send an email to ken at krpoliticaljunkie.com. You can also tweet me at Ken Rudin or shoot me a message on the show's Facebook page. And you can follow my button of the day on Instagram at the thepoliticaljunkie. Political junkies made possible thanks to the support of our listeners and donors. Your generous contributions are most appreciated. Keep them coming at krpoliticaljunkie.com/donate. I'm Ken Rudin. Thanks for listening. Please be safe. I'll see you soon.